Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. Welcome to the show that digs deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking about the world of influencer marketing. And I'm pleased to welcome Austin Rosenthal, who's the co-founder and COO of LionEyes. Austin, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Good, there you are. Now I can see you. Welcome. Good to have you on the program. So, Austin, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how LionEyes came about? What, what are the problems that you're solving? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's, I think, kind of one of those, those classic stories where you, um, you and, and one of your best friends from, from college end up having this idea and then kind of bringing it about. So, me and uh, one of the other co-founders, Chris Buetti, um, we were freshman year roommates. We, you know, had always been scheming up something in the realm of social media marketing. Um, but from the lens of really being content creators and influencers ourselves. Um, and then what we ended up seeing and being exposed to was the challenges that brands and agencies, marketers and advertisers were experiencing and trying to build and manage communities of influencers and creators. There's a heck of a lot that goes into the whole management process, and it's typically very time consuming and manual, you know, everything from finding the right creator to recruiting and contracting and tracking and reporting and managing. Um, so what we set out to do was really just streamline the process and make it as simple as possible. Um, and that's how Lioness came about and started as an agency about four years ago and then now uh, turned it into a SaaS technology company. Um, and uh, you know, things have been exploding since, since the birth. Great story. Good for you guys. That's awesome. Uh, I want to break this down, but uh, before getting into uh, defining uh, influencer marketing, uh, I did some homework on it to try and figure out when did influencer marketing really start? You know, I searched my, my mental uh, database and I, I couldn't figure out like where did it all happen. So I went to the Google machine and it turns out that you may not know this, but influencer marketing, marketing apparently dates back to the 1760s when King George III lent his name to uh, a certain pottery brand. Uh, so there you go. It's been around for a long time. It's not this new phenomenon with the advent of TikTok and whatnot. But l let's break it down. How do you define influencer marketing? I know that there are several subcategories when we've got celebrities, and I think you mentioned there's a micro and then even a nano level of, of influencers. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for teaching me something um, because I had no idea that influencer marketing dated back that far. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because everyone kind of thinks of influencer marketing as, you know, something that's related to social media. But at the end of the day, it's really just having brand ambassadors sponsor um, really you and tell your story through their lens. Um, you know, when we were going out and trying to kind of explain the concept of influencer marketing, we essentially just went to what everybody knows of, you know, traditional brand promotion, which is, you know, Roger Federer and Rolex. He's essentially a face person, more on the celebrity status. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of where the idea and concept really originates from, is having really real humanized elements to be able to portray your business. Um, so influencer marketing has now kind of, you know, taken on this lens of being or really revolving around social media. Um, and, you know, to your point, everybody has some level of influence if you have cultivated a following. 
Um, you know, it can be 500 followers. It could be a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. Um, you know, it's just dependent on what you're looking to achieve from an awareness standpoint and the type of authentic push of your product or service that you're trying to give off. Um, so, you know, we, we work with brands and agencies that range across that spectrum. Um, but as you can imagine, if you're working with one celebrity creator, there's a lot of probably legal hoops you need to jump um, through. Whereas if you're working with smaller, more nano and micro creators that have, you know, a thousand or five thousand followers, you may be able to work with more, but the more people you work with, the more work it traditionally is, which is really why, you know, Lionize kind of helps build out really a management infrastructure to be able to um, streamline processes that are, you know, typically very, very, very manual. Yeah, and we're going to get more into that and dig a little bit deeper into what you do and how you help both the creators um, and the marketers. But uh, what goes into the selection of the proper creator? I mean, like when you think about a celebrity, obviously, you know, instinctively, I think reach, right, visibility, recognizability. But you know, just last night, watching something on television, I saw there was a, I think it was a drug commercial, and Khloe Kardashian was uh, the, the celebrity for that. How do brands and marketers think about selecting the, the proper influencer for their particular product? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting you bring the selection of who you want to work with up is, you know, at the end of the day, the person and who they are needs to be able to resonate with the brand. And there's a couple of different layers to it. One that's more, you know, is this the right person to be portraying the brand, the message, the movement? Do they have similar struggles or do they fall within a similar product line? You mentioned, you know, the Kardashians typically in beauty and cosmetics, but of course can stand for various other um, causes and things along those lines. So one, it's on the personal level. Do, do I, you know, does this influencer resonate with who we are as a brand? But then it's also, you have to think about who is following that individual and who has um, really turned to them as an outlet or a channel of information and knowledge. So when you're going into the selection process, you need to one, make sure that this influencer, creator, or really person for that matter, you know, resonates with your brand and can tell your brand through the right, um, you know, the right lens, but also who does that influencer have, you know, as a following base and are we connecting well with them to be able to tell the story to the right people is, is the other side of it as well. Yeah, look, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as being a, an influencer in the marketing space you know, or a TikTok or a YouTube star. Uh, rel yeah. Relatively new phenomenon. Um, and, and I know folks have aspirations to do that, but what's the, where's the bar set, Austin, in terms of a reach and authenticity, in terms of how they can become a legitimate influencer where brands begin to recognize them as such? Yeah, and I mean, I think this is part of where we kind of separate ourselves from what individuals think of as traditional influencers and what it means to be an influencer. From our perspective, anyone in the world can be an influencer. You can be an influencer, I can be an influencer. You know, well, I don't have, you know, thousands and thousands of followers. I definitely have very high engagement rate on, you know, my posts and things along those lines. I know who is seeing my posts and I know um, how, how much engagement I'm able to yield or generate from the posts that I make. So in terms of a threshold, I would say it's more 
anyone and everyone can be and should be because everyone has some some level of influence. Um, but in, in, or, in order of qualifying someone, of does this make sense to work with them? You really want to look into more of the engagement metrics of are these individuals actually generating enough views and comments and likes per the amount of people that are following them? Um, because if you start reaching out and working with people that have, you know, let's just say 5,000 followers and they're getting five likes on a post, you know, the ends might not justify the means, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally get you. And are there particular platforms that brands look to for that influence, like whether it's Instagram or TikTok or, or other, you know, Facebook, what have you? Yeah, I would say in terms of benefits and effects um, that influencer marketing can have in, you know, whatever constitutes success for the initiative, um, generally Instagram um, yields the, the highest return on your investment, um, but, and, and there's a much larger population of creators to be able to work with. Um, you know, we have seen just an influx of demand when it comes to TikTok and YouTube is absolutely a huge channel as well, but those are more um, long form types of video production. Um, they are actually moving in the direction of, you know, offering some short form types of uh, uh, creative solution. But, um, you know, from what we have seen, it's really those three are the, are the main um, the main channels that, you know, there's the highest demand for from, from an influencer marketing standpoint. Gotcha. Austin, we're about to bump up onto a commercial break here. But before we do, why don't you tell the audience how they can reach out to connect with you or if they want to learn more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you can reach out to me. My email is austin at lionize.ai. Um, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram, honestly, anywhere I'm available. Um, and yeah, just wherever you can reach out, I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation. Yeah, you're a guy I would expect to be on all social platforms, right? Yeah, I think that's a, a requirement. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Austin, sit tight. You at home watching and listening, uh, you hang in there as well. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back after we pay a few bills. Aloha. Joe Silva here with Kakua Technologies. I'm excited to see you on Tuesdays on Morning Coffee for our tech tips. Let's face it, lawyers get a bad rap. I'm Erin Bruschi, host of Legal Breakdown, where we dissect legal topics for the everyday viewer. With a mix of interesting guests, to talk about current events and hot legal topics, let's work together to make the law accessible and relevant to everyone. Catch us every week on RVN Television. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we're talking about influencer marketing today with Austin Rosenthal from Lion Eyes. Austin, welcome, welcome back from the break. Hope you uh, had a good sip of inspiration there in between and uh, are ready to rock and roll here for round two. I want to ask you about um, influencer marketing as a core strategy. 
Uh, it appears to be one, but what's your perspective? How are brands actually embracing this idea? Yeah, I think you know, we, we started the conversation by saying that influencer marketing it dates back to you know, the 1700s. Um, but in general, I would say this new wave of influencer marketing is still relatively, you know, a nascent industry and concept. So, you know, brands and agencies are still really trying to wrap their hands around it. Um, some are a little bit more on the forefront. Some are, you know, not as much. Um, but what we have seen is just a trend and a tendency towards at least testing this as a channel for your business. Um, you know, from my perspective, I don't think that we would have, you know, started Lionize if we didn't think it's a very integral piece to the marketing mix. Um, I think the reason that advertisers are, are kind of gravitating towards this channel is because of the type of traffic and authentic and organic feel that they can push to the audience who they're looking to talk to. Um, and they're just finding this to be the greatest way to reach out, especially, you know, with the increase in pricing associated with other channels as well. Um, you know, with paid ads and, and um, other forms of, of outreach. So, um, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing kind of with the, the surge of social media being at the forefront and this just being a channel of, of you know, an absolute need to be able to test. Yeah, you, you had mentioned before that you've evolved into uh, a technology company and as somebody who's working with both brands and creators, there's this intersection between agency and, and technology. Can you just explain a little bit more about that and how you're working with both sides of the equation? Yeah, and what I'll say is that there's so many different stakeholders or perspectives that you need to kind of take into consideration in you know, this type of marketplace um, technology. And we were fortunate to be able to start from one lens, which is, you know, how does the creator and influencer want to be able to interact with the brand or the agent agency or the marketer at the brand and agency that they want to work with. So, so coming from that lens just taught us how we needed to personalize messaging and make things simple for creators to be able to engage with the brand and essentially just spoon feed opportunity for them to be an extension of a brand. Now, on their side, there's the brand agency. Um, and really at the end of the day, what they're looking for is just simplicity and streamline and efficiencies. Because right now, um, you know, it's typically very manual to do the overhaul of finding creators and recruiting and communicating and contracting and tracking and reporting. So the intersection becomes in streamlining those processes, automating those processes so that the you know, brand and the agency have the control or the level of control that they're looking for, which is to just make a selection as to whether this influencer fits you know, the aesthetic of the brand and um, the message that they're trying to get across. So um, the intersection is, is definitely, you know, the most important piece that you cannot lose in this entire, um, you know, workflow or this entire process is just the human aspect. And once that's removed, then it becomes, you know, a non-authentic source or channel um, to be able to push, push the message. Yeah, I want to, shift gears here just a little bit um, and give you a chance to talk about your entrepreneurial journey for just a little bit because um, as a young company, young entrepreneur, 
uh, you've, you've certainly experienced a lot along the way, um, a lot of learning, a lot of growing pains, and you've been through a capital raise. I'll give you a chance to talk a little bit about what's that experience like at, from the lens of an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say one of the, the greatest things, or at least, you know, what I've, I see to be, you know, one of the most fortunate things is, you know, having two other co-founders that, you know, balance you out. So there's three of us, there's me more on the business and marketing. Um, there's Chris that, you know, falls somewhere in the middle between, you know, technology and business. And then there's Ben, who's, you know, our CTO, head of technology. So having a really nice, um, you know, balance between the three of us has been, you know, one of the, the most fortunate things. Um, now, beyond that, you know, the journey, it's, it's never straight. Um, but there's some things and some guide rails that we put in place to be able to ensure that we make good decisions, sound decisions. And, you know, we know what we don't know, which is, you know, a lot when you're first starting a company and you're, you know, you don't have necessarily have as many experiences. So we, we actually brought on, you know, groups of advisors, um, you know, family has been very supportive and, you know, everything that we've done. And I think just making sure that you don't lose of needing advice and guidance and mentorship and, you know, really having, you know, people to, to fall on that have done it and have done it well and, and trusting their, you know, their oversight has been something that has, has made us be able to, you know, get as far as we have for sure. Yeah, good stuff. Any, uh, any other tips or advice that you'd have for entrepreneurs? Certainly uh, gathering uh, the, the, whether it's a formal or informal uh, advisory board is, is a great suggestion. I definitely hear that from a lot of entrepreneurs. Anything else that you want to offer to those watching and listening, Austin? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's so cliche, but if you don't find someone, I always find that, you know, doing something alone is really so much, so much more difficult, right? Like if you find it could be your best friend, it could be your brother, it could be a parent for that matter. You need to, if you have an idea, share it with someone and then do it together. Doing it alone is is one of the most challenging things and you lose um, a different side of you that you wouldn't know that would be exposed when you're going through different, you know, struggles and challenges and also, you know, not being able to share in the successes with someone else. So, you know, just making sure that you find, you know, a co-founder or co-founders to be able to, you know, enjoy the journey uh, together is, is extremely important. Good stuff. Uh, if anybody wants to learn more about your story or how they can work with you, Austin, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, um, email austin at lioneyes.ai. Uh, also, feel free to text me, honestly. Um, <laughs> my number is 561-324-8834. I'm available at all times. I enjoy talking about this stuff. Um, also on social media, Instagram, you're Facebook. In, you're you're Eastern time, so let, let, let's be there. respectful of this guy's sleeping hours, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, hold off from uh, 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. And then other than that, I'm wide open. Yeah, I'm going to say after this episode drops, you're probably going to want to turn your phone off at night. Just saying. <laughs> uh, but thanks for sharing the, uh, the story of the entrepreneurial journey. I know that's helpful for a lot of folks who are out there who are either in it or contemplating being in the entrepreneurial space. But I want to jump back into uh, kind of the core business and, and the core topic here that we're talking about, influencer marketing. 
And when we think about building a brand strategy, the word authenticity is something that we hear a lot. And you alluded to it before when we talked about you know, a celebrity, if you will, that may have an experience where making stuff up here, maybe they're a diabetic, so you would expect to see them doing a commercial for a, a diabetes drug. Um, talk a little bit more about how brands are selecting the proper authentic creators for these different campaigns. Yeah, and I, I think this is actually a really interesting segue into what people have traditionally thought of as celebrity creators or someone that you know is a well-known face um, versus how authentic it can really feel if it is you know someone that has a much smaller following or a personal type of relationship with their followers. Um, I think authenticity can be achieved um, through the lens of, or more so through the lens of micro creators or um, you know creators that have less than let's just say ten thousand followers or something like that, um, because it starts feeling a lot less like an ad and a lot more like hey I want to share my story with you, um, and I think the more you can kind of move in the direction of allowing individuals to explain why this brand, why this message, why this product, why this service, um, you know, resonates particularly with them, the more authentic, um, you know, the, the, the push of the movement can be. Yeah, and we've all seen instances where um, celebrity endorsers or influencers um, had some, we'll call them off the field, off the camera, incidents in their personal life that really created some problems for the brands that had them doing the endorsements. Are, are there greater risks or lower risks in going you know, outside of that celebrity space, moving downstream into the micro and nano influencers? You know, I think that there's, there's always a risk, right? Um, I think the best thing you can do as a brand is make sure that everyone knows which side you stand on. Um, at the end of the day, there's so, social media makes it just so available to say anything at this point that as long as brands are staying true to themselves and you know they're they're reacting in the appropriate capacity if something ends up you know being said or done or anything like that um you know that that's that's all you kind of need to be able to do and i i mean we see it every day with more celebrity creators um, I actually think that the risk is mitigated a little bit when you're not necessarily having someone that is so, um, everyone is so socially aware of um, talking about your, your product in that way, um, because there's less of a viral effect per se if someone has you know 5,000 followers as opposed to 5 million followers. So um, I would actually say working with, with smaller creators um, is is probably a way to mitigate that risk. But at the end of the day, with the power of social media and just how news can travel so quickly, it's, you know, brands just need to stay true to themselves and, and be on the right side of it um, if an incident does occur. Yeah. Any stigmas associated with any of the micro or nano influencers? You know, when you think about some of the uh, some TikTok videos that have gone viral and whatnot, are, are there stigmas associated with this that we're still trying to overcome? Yeah, I, I think so. But I think the more you normalize it, the less stigmas there are. Um, you know, the more where, you know, so much of this conversation has just revolved around this word, influencer or creator, instead of just saying, you know, me and you, the more that you normalize 
who is and how you become or what constitutes being an influencer, I think the less stigmas that there are because, you know, like anything, you, you give something a name and then that's, you know, now, now you've kind of um, really divided what it means to be that. Um, so I think the more you normalize it, the, the less stigmas that there'll be, but it's also just still pretty, pretty nascent in terms of an industry. So as it matures and as it becomes more normal again, um, I think the less stigmas that there'll be for sure. Yeah. What are the challenges maybe you're seeing in, in terms of the, the pairing of brands and influencers? Yeah. I, you know, I think that what it does is not even, it's not as much of a challenge. It's more of what it exposes to you as a brand of who thinks they actually align with who you are. Um, because a lot of brands say, you know, this is who we are as a, as a company, and this is the type of person we want wearing our clothing or communicating our message. But once you start seeing all of these influencers or creators apply to your program and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of your, your, your campaign, it's really just broadening your horizon of who you think should be advocating for who you are. Um, because everyone thinks, oh, you know, I have this such, this such a narrow, you know, um, customer base, this is who I should be talking to. Um, but if you kind of step beyond that, you're really, you know, exposing yourselves as a brand to a much larger audience that you might not know exists. So I would say kind of opening, you know, keeping an open mind. And that's one of the challenges that we do face is saying, you know, we need this exact type of creator where it's, you know, who knows, um, this person might be able to yield, you know, 10x the ROI of someone who you thought, you know, was the right fit. So kind of just opening up, um, your eyes a little bit there is is what i would say yeah austin we're down to the short strokes here we've got about three minutes to go here so i want to keep this brief but i want to sneak in one last question here for you in talking about kind of the strata of the size of the companies that you work with um, obviously for large companies where they've got large uh, marketing spend they they've got greater latitude to go across the field for celebrities and bigger names um, but you also work with smaller companies and you're also working with not-for-profits so for the folks out there who are listening um, that are in either of those two buckets, if you will, what's your counsel for them and how they can start to leverage influencer marketing? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's quite simple. That was, that's the reason, you know, one of the main reasons we actually started Lion Eyes was right now there's a huge divide and it's a huge barrier to be able to work with creators. It's time consuming and it's costly. Going to, you know, agencies or other tools or softwares or platforms that are out there. And what we wanted to do was offer something that enables you to test and pilot this as a channel to make sure it is right for you. And then kind of be able to scale it up and have the infrastructure in place to do so once once you realize that there is a huge um, benefit to this channel. So, you know, we're, we, we offer anything and everything from just, you know, flexible contracting to, you know, just very, very um, reduced initial uh, engagement in order to be able to kind of work with you on this, on this, in this regard. So um, if it is too costly for you, we're happy to make it work and we'll, we'll definitely, uh, you know, be happy to show you that this is the right channel for you. Got it. Austin, unfortunately, we are out of time here today. It goes fast, but I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. We've been talking with Austin Rosenthal, who is a co-founder and COO of Lion Eyes. 
And again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and if you believe that your people really are your company's most valuable asset, you may enjoy my books, the new ROI series. You can check them out wherever you get your books, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and uh, everywhere else. Uh, I'm always happy to have a conversation. Feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn or at newroi.com. And that's all we have for today, folks. So we'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.